Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jonathan G. I'm the vicar here. Thank you, John, for reading, and Adam and the band for leading us in worship, and indeed Kate and Hannah earlier. And we certainly pray great blessing on Hannah as she heads off to work with OM Operation Mobilization for this coming year. Uh, let's pray that God would speak to us now through his word. We praise you, Lord God, our Father, that you are a God who speaks. Send your spirit now. Help me as I speak. Help us as we listen. Uh, will you lift our eyes to you as we sang earlier? We look to you. Come and speak to us and equip us to live for you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this term, we're going to look at various points where Jesus says, I will do something. There is so much uncertainty in the world around, uh, we don't have to look very far for uncertainty, that I thought it would do us good to lift our eyes to where Jesus has promised particular things. So in coming weeks, we will look at things like Jesus saying, I will give you rest and I will be with you always. I will raise you up. I will come into your life. But today, the promise of Jesus we're looking at is I will build my church, uh, as we heard John read to us uh, just a few moments ago. The promise is given as Simon Peter realizes who Jesus is. Peter and the other disciples have been following around with Jesus for a while now, and they go on a walking retreat up to the north of the country. They would have been away uh, certainly a week, maybe two, just to get away from the crowds to take time together. And while they're there, Jesus asks, who do people say that I am? And the disciples have heard the chatter around, and they say, most people think you're one of the prophets come back, someone like John the Baptist or Elijah. You're a bit like that. And then Jesus says to the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, Peter, because God has revealed this to you. Nobody can work it out for themselves. It, we only get it when God opens our eyes to this amazing truth. And Jesus gives Peter this nickname. He may have given it to him earlier. He certainly gave it to him now. His real name is Simon. You will be called Peter, which means rock. Uh, in English idiom, we would call him rocky, rock man, something solid. Whereas we know that Peter in his natural self is a bit up and down. Simon, very up, very down. But Jesus says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Different streams of the church down the years have focused on different bits of this story. The Roman Catholic Church focuses more on Peter himself uh, as the rock, the lead, first leader of the church in Rome. The Protestant church kind of overreacts against that and says, no, it's Peter's confession of Jesus is Lord, that is, of Messiah, that is the key thing. 
Other parts of the church say, no, the key thing is that God the Father has revealed to Simon Peter who he is. As far as I can tell, it's all three together. It's God the Father revealing to Simon Peter that Jesus is the Messiah. And Peter's certainly very important in that. And on that rock of the revelation of the Father, of the confession of Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus says, I will build my church. And so Jesus has been building his church uh, for at least 2,000 years. And he loves to use you and me as part of that. When Peter was an old man, he wrote to Christians scattered all around the Mediterranean, scattered by persecution. Uh, he must have remembered uh, that he was called the rock. But he knows that all of us are like stones that God uses to build his great church. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 8, we read this. Peter says, as you come to him, that's to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe... The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Uh, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So Peter is saying that Jesus himself is the real cornerstone of the church. He is the Messiah. But on that cornerstone, God is building his church. Peter and the other apostles are kind of foundational and all of us are like living stones to be built together. That means each of us has a part to play. Uh, however small you think you are, or however small you're gifting, each of us has a part to play. And if we don't play our part, we're like a, a hole in the wall of the church. It's not so strong as it should be. So that's why I want us to lift our eyes today to the fact that Jesus has promised to build his church and to catch a vision that you can play part, a part in that. I myself caught that vision when I was a student many years ago. Uh, some of you will know my story. I grew up in a sleepy village church where my dad was the vicar and I didn't catch the vision of God's great church in that place, sadly, though others did. Uh, I was away at school and there was a chapel in the school where we had our daily assemblies. And while there was a little bit of Christianity there, I didn't catch the vision there either. It felt fairly empty. But as a student, I remember being part of a large, vibrant church where I encountered God through the worship, and I, my heart burned as I felt Jesus speaking to me through the teaching and the preaching. And it was a wonderful community to belong to, and they were involved in mission, and I got to play a part. And I caught a vision for Jesus' church that has never left me. That vision is expressed beautifully in the early church, we looked at this last term from Acts chapter 2, those famous verses at the end of Acts 2, 42 to 47. This beautiful picture of the church living and vibrant, where we read this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a fantastic picture of the church. They're in homes, as we are today, homes all around the place, uh, not just in Leamington, but around the country and indeed some around the world. And then when we get a chance to gather together, it's wonderful. We're deprived that most of the time at the moment. The next week, we get to gather at the Car Park Church at the Kenilworth Open Air Cinema, and that'll be wonderful. Uh, but that was where I caught a vision of the fact that Jesus was building his church, and I could play a part in that. And all the way down history, we can see how Jesus has built his church, the way Jesus' followers have cared for children, who might have been abandoned and started orphanages to bring up children to know and love the Lord. Uh, in societies which didn't look after women well, the church cared for women as equals to men with dignity and educated them and started schools. How the church cared for the sick and started hospitals or cared for people in work and started trade unions as well. How the church was at the forefront of abolishing slavery. And when the church is working well, it is very attractive. And Jesus is still at work building his church today. Uh, we prayed earlier for our town, things like Food Bank uh, and the Cap Debt Center and all the different interchurch ministries that there are. There's things going on like marriage preparation and enrichment and Diddleys and church schools and Alpha helping people to discover Jesus. Supremely, as the church, we have the good news of Jesus, the good news of forgiveness of sins and being adopted into God's great family. And as we catch that, our lives are changed and the lives of those around us. So I want you to lift your eyes to the fact that Jesus has promised, I will build my church it's always been my conviction that healthy churches will grow, just like healthy plants in a garden will grow. And it's a huge privilege as the vicar to build on the foundations that have been laid in the past. Uh, 147 years ago, this church uh, started being built by the folks from St. Mary's. Uh, it reached a really low ebb back in 1963, but then has flourished under the ministry and leadership of Norman Warren and then Andrew Dow and then Bill Merrington. And for the last 20 years, it's been my privilege to be the vicar here and see God building his church and growing his church. It feels now like we're entering a new season, not just because of COVID-19, but that has certainly added to it. The Lord has grown St. Paul's to be quite a large church, certainly relative to those around here. And Jesus has promised to go on building his church, and he is building it. Uh, I keep hearing every week from different prayer triplets or formations or small groups or some of our larger groups like Mirth that find ways of meeting together from our children's and youth groups, from our student groups. Uh, our students kept meeting all summer online. Uh, and all these different groups have been meeting in different ways and the Lord continuing to grow us. And while we can't meet large together every week, it doesn't mean that Jesus has stopped building his church. It's just put the emphasis onto these smaller groups, and we all need to be part of them. Uh, there are many parts of the world where people can't meet as a big gathering together, places in the world where church is persecuted, some terribly. I just heard this week that the persecution is growing in China, and the authorities are paying people to tip off the authorities where they know there is a house church meeting secretly. The persecution is growing. 
and the church there has to meet in threes and fours and homes. But Jesus continues to grow his church, just as he will here. Now, back in July, our PCC met, and we were thinking a bit about the future vision of the church. And we were fairly sure that God is calling us not just to keep on growing bigger and bigger, but to take deliberate steps towards seeing if we can plant new, smaller expressions of church. There may be small expressions in coffee shops or schools or workplaces. And also to see if we can more deliberately look to re-energize other churches that may be struggling or plant new churches in all the areas of new housing. Now, that is a trajectory that we're going to head towards, and I'll say more about that at the annual meeting. Uh, it may take a little while before anything happens tangibly, but we sense Jesus calling us to be part of his building of the church, and there will be new ways that, happens, uh, that happen in the days that lie ahead. My main point is to look up that Jesus has said, I will build my church. And he goes on to say, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, the gates of anywhere in Old Testament days were where the authorities sat. Uh, an Old Testament town or city would have walls around it. And for anyone coming and going, the authorities would sit there at the gates. And Jesus says, the gates of Hades, that's the sort of powers of hell or death, will not overcome his church. And that certainly includes the power of COVID-19, uh, the anxiety or the fear of death that it spreads. That will not stop Jesus building his church. Indeed, we've all been rather surprised by how well the Lord has adapted to church online. He doesn't seem phased by that at all, and he can speak to people and is probably speaking to you in your homes right now. One of the stories I most loved was the story of how well Alpha worked last term. We had a relatively small alpha group online but with more guests than we often have in the summer term down at holy trinity brompton the home of the alpha course they often had about 500 people in the summer term but online they had nearly 2,000 people this time it's extraordinary and jesus has promised to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it the powers of death will not prevail against it and covid19 will certainly not prevail against it now, it's wonderful to be back at live streaming from our church building. And just being in this place reminds me of how much I learned about building sites when it was redeveloped uh, over the last decade. Uh, I didn't know a lot about what, how, what went into building works behind the scenes. Uh, but as I got involved with uh, the plans for the building and then how it was going on, I discovered so many people had a part to play electricians and the mechanical electrical people who are sorting the gas and heat and the ventilation, uh, the folks who came and demolished the old bits and cleared them out the way and the dangerous asbestos, the structural engineers who made sure it was safe, architects and builders and bricklayers and glaziers and carpenters, the building control to make sure it was safe. Just it, the list went on and on of the number of people. And it's true too of Jesus building his church. Some are more visible than others. But Jesus wants to use everybody, and that includes you, in the building of his church. And that's the point that Peter made from that reading we looked at earlier. If we just look at 1 Peter 2, verse 5 again. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. The church is not primarily the pile of bricks. It's the living stones, the people that together 
make a spiritual place of worship to the Lord that he inhabits. And all of us have a part to play. Uh, they may be small things, visiting someone, phoning them up, administering a rotor. They may be bigger things, leading ministries for children or youth or students or small groups, being up front and preaching, being behind the scenes and interceding. Uh, all of us have a part to play, and Jesus has gifted all of us in that. Uh, the church, we are his great building project. St. Paul, after whom our church is named, put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. You're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. And here's the building imagery. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That is what God is doing with us. So lift your eyes. Jesus has promised, I will build my church. And it's my prayer that at St. Paul's, we keep in step with what he's doing. Some things will be different from the past. Some things will be the same. Uh, but we're going to pray now for a minute or two. We'll let the band come back ready to lead us in a final song. But as we pray, we praise you, Lord Jesus, that you have promised to build your church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. We praise you that you've promised to build your church and that persecution does not prevail against it. We thank you that you've built your church all around the world, down the centuries, particularly in places where there's been persecution. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in lands where there is persecution and they have to meet secretly today. Build your church in those nations. And we pray to build your church here in the affluent secular West. And in this time where the virus has changed so much, will you breathe by your spirit and open people up to you afresh. Fill us with your spirit and give us grace to live for you and to speak for you and draw people to know you. Build your church and may St. Paul's be part of that great building project that you are building uh, in this age and that will last for all eternity. And for each individual, we pray for grace to play our part in that. Let's just be still for a minute. In the stillness, we pray, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, would you whisper to us, put thoughts in our minds about a part we can play in the building of your great church. And for me and the PCC, as we explore what it means uh, to look to plant new expressions of church in the years to come, will you lead us step by step and sharpen that vision among us? And for anyone watching who's feeling isolated, who's not linked in, we pray for grace to join in with one of our small groups or prayer triplets, uh, that no one would be isolated and we will all know the encouragement of other people 
around us as part of your great church. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.